Hey y'all, it's Ashley back with another episode of Parents Are People. Hey y'all, did you miss me? I miss y'all. I really, really did. It has been a quiet couple of weeks, but it definitely, that's the only way I can describe it. It's, it seemed quiet without listening to the sound of my own chatter. Um, <laughs> but it is definitely good to be back. I am excited to bring you guys another great episode of Parents Are People and just excited to continue along this journey to continue to build this vision for parents, our people, and share that with you all as it grows. So I'm just excited and I'm happy to be back. Thank y'all for coming back. Thank you so much. For those of you who, you know, went back and checked out some other episodes, for those of you who are new here and had no idea that we were on a break because you're just now catching up. Thank you. Appreciate you for being here. This week, my guest is April. April is coming to talk to us about her relationship with her son and what it was like to be the parent of someone who people just didn't always take the time to understand and how she was able to help him navigate the world through their relationship and also advocate for him. As always, if something in this episode clicks with you, resonates with you, please share it with someone you love. And otherwise, thank y'all so much for listening. Hi, April. Welcome to the podcast. What's up? What's up? Thank you for having me. Can you introduce yourself to everybody? All right. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is April and I'm a mother of two sons. They're adults now and I'm a practicing attorney for a very long time. And I'm happy to be here talking about parenting. Yes, I'm happy to have you here. Okay, so you said your boys are adults now. How old are they? 20 and 28. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're really grown up. Can you share with us a little bit about how you became a parent? With my oldest son, I have a blessing of having married into it. He's my bonus son. Um, he was about four years old when we got married. And then about four years later, we were blessed to have a son. My journey to parenthood was a little different than the normal way that people enter parenthood. Didn't know it, but we had been married for maybe, like I said, four years. And we've been not really trying to become parents, but, it, you know, Towards the last year or two years, we were really trying and nothing was happening. And as it turns out, I had some issues with fertility. So I went through a couple rounds of fertility treatments and they it did not work. And I gave up on it. And I just was like, remember very clearly being in church and crying, saying, Lord, you know, why are you sure your answer is no? And if that's how you feel, you know, if that's true, give me some confirmation. And a, a couple rows ahead of me, I was at some kind of special service and a couple of rows I, through my tears, I'm just crying the whole time. I look up and there's a guy on the front row and he, his face is missing from here down. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And I wipe my face and I was, 
go to make sure I was seeing what I saw. And I looked and I thought he wasn't crying. He was praising God. And I was like, dried up. And I thought, I'm feeling sorry for myself. And that guy is on the front row for everyone to see. And he's missing half his face. What do I have to cry about? And so I made it a point to meet him after church. His name is Joe. And he had a little voice box and he was cracking jokes and, you know, just, just as happy and praising God. And anyway, he, he taught me something that day and actually, so I went about my business and the next thing I knew, you know, I was having a baby. <laughs> so that's part of my journey. That's how my journey to motherhood began. It sounds like it was a journey with some uncertainty. Definitely with uncertainty and even with the in vitro, like we had actually the first round, you know, I was pregnant. I told everybody and I just didn't realize how delicate of a process it was. So I, I shouldn't have told everyone because I had a miscarriage and then I had to tell everyone that. And I just thought you do it. It works. You tell everyone you have a baby, you keep it moving. And I just never realized how delicate of a process it was and you know, you have to give yourself these injections at certain times of the day. And I felt almost a drug addict because I had to carry my stuff with me. And wherever I was, I had to go in the, you know. And, mm-hmm. and at first I was very, like, tentative about doing it. And after a while, it was just like, <laughs> let's just get her done. But it was so, it was it was a process in and of itself. And actually, when I stopped, it wasn't because... I had to, like, throughout the whole process, I only paid $3 because I had excellent insurance. But it was just at the beginning, I told myself two rounds because they tell you all of these disclaimers on the front end, like it could cause cancer, it could cause this, it could cause that. And I was like, wow, it'd be great to be pregnant and then die from the side effects of the in vitro. So at the beginning, I said two rounds and that's it. And so when I got to the two rounds and it didn't work, you know, out for me, even though my doctor kept calling saying, you know, we can keep trying, blah, 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 blah. I just, I just stuck with whatever line I had drawn in the sand at the very beginning. And and that's how it worked. That's an interesting point. I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about the side effects of going through fertility treatments. I mean, I would imagine that there are some because it's anything impacting your body has to have some type of effects. But I think because it's a means to something that people want, the baby, you know, the family, those that the end result is something that people want that we don't talk about that front end part of just kind of what you said of like, that's a wild side effect. Right. And it and it says it a lot. It's a lot. Like it, it felt like the paperwork that talked about the side effects was much more much more substantial than the parts that it talks about, the possibilities of the positive outcome. And that stuck with me. And I said, you know, I just didn't want to get caught up in emotion trying mm-hmm. to get to the end result and throw myself under the bus, you know? And so I read that and maybe it may be the lawyer in me. I read every line, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, this is saying cancer way too many times for me to ignore it. And I don't know, if I thought I don't want it that badly, but I thought, what would be the point? You won't be around for the child and it's not worth that risk because I mean, I had my other son and everything else was beautiful in my life. And there are other ways to become a parent. I mean, you know, I just thought I'm not doing that. So I wanted to make that decision up front. And to be honest, even when I said I wasn't doing it anymore, 
my husband was like, well, just, you know, think about it. And I promised him I would, but for, cause he wanted me to continue, but he would never push. Mm -hmm. And, but I thought, no, I'm going to stick with that decision that I made with a clear mind on the front end. And, and I was glad I was, I, I mean, I cried and all of that, but I was at peace. And then, like I said, I had my moment, you know, and I went to church that day and I got real clarity. And I, literally it's that moment when I saw Joe, it, it just, I say, well, take it away from me, you know, take this feeling away from me. And literally I felt free. Mm. I felt free in that moment because I was like, if you, if you're saying no to me, Lord, then I can't handle this feeling. So take this away from me. So I'm not like just obsessed with this feeling. And he did. I remember <laughs> before I had that meeting at that, that went to that service, I remember going to, I was like baby obsessed. And I remember going to like a Walmart and, you know, like when you first go into Walmart, there's a set of doors and then they have like the carts there and maybe some vending machines or whatever. And there was a little girl in the cart, a little pretty little girl, you know, hair all berated out and everything. And, and she was just sitting in the cart, but no adults, no one was around. Mm -hmm. And like, just for a second, I looked like I could take her. I looked around, you know, it was crazy. I was having very, very crazy thoughts. And I looked around and, I, and then I looked around again and there was a lady who was looking at me like she knew what I was thinking. <laughs> and she was like, who's looking at her? I was like, I don't know. Like, we probably should take her to customer service. I was like, yeah. But really, just for a split second, I actually was thinking crazy thoughts like that. So it was nuts. Mm -hmm. Thankfully for other people watching out too to be like, you sure? You sure that's how you feel right now? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like thinking exactly what you were thinking. Lady. Thinking it. So fast forward, your son's here. What were those early years like for you? What kind of kid was he? Oh, wow. He was a really great baby. He had a lot of energy, a lot of energy. And, but I had prayed, you know how people, you pray. And you get what you pray for. And you people say, I'll just take whatever I you get out. Yeah, just as long as it's healthy, you know, or just as long as whatever, you know. But you pray that prayer, but you don't really know because you don't know what it's like to have whatever it is you have. And then I'll just say he had a lot of energy, a lot of energy, but it didn't register to me until sometimes I would ask people to watch him and people would say, ooh. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and but his energy matched my energy so it didn't I didn't notice it but he had a lot of energy he didn't cry a lot he was very easy he was very easy he was a good baby but he would sometimes put me to bed like sometimes I would be so tired that I would just pray and fall asleep and I knew he was awake but I just couldn't stay awake any longer and one of these times I woke up and he was gone. And uh, we lived in like a, a three flat in Chicago. So it's like a, a it's like townhouses that are attached. Mm -hmm. It was in a, like a, this neighborhood that anyway, it was really nice, old, old um, buildings. And, and so there's a unit, you know, upstairs and then downstairs, you know, and we were on the downstairs level and then it was a basement and I woke up and he was gone. And I was like, stop, stop, my baby. Oh. You know? So um, 
I'm running around. I run to the basement and I'm like, he's down in the basement and I just can't find him and I'm hysterical. And then I happen to go upstairs and I talk to my neighbors and I would see them in passing, but I'd never been to their place. And they were like, oh yeah, he came up here and they had a daughter who was maybe two. Mm-hmm. They had a daughter. He may not have been two. They had a daughter who was four. And they never locked their door, evidently. So he came and opened the door and they thought that maybe I sent him up without talking to them. And so they played with their daughter. And actually, one of my aunts had bought a little baby lawn chair Mm -hmm. and there were two locks on the door and I would leave a key in one of the locks and then the other one was the one. And he evidently had paid attention. So he took his little chair, put it up to the door and unlocked and let himself out and closed the door and went upstairs. How old was he? Might have been two, maybe. Oh, goodness. You had... <laughs> okay. He's, he wants to find, yeah, lots of things. Lots of, but you know what? He, a lot of activity, a lot of energy, other stories like that. <laughs> And you won't, you'd never forget a sweet, very sweet, very loving, very like, let's go. And so it became even more interesting when he got to be school age. He didn't take naps. So oh. they just, he, he didn't require that. He, he had a lot of energy. He didn't have time for naps. I think it was an interesting point that you made that like, because he, he matched me, we, this is what we did, that I didn't really notice it as much until other people would be like, wow. A lot of times, you know, I had a really great sitter and a relative of mine. She had a home daycare. And so for her, it was fine too. So I didn't really notice it as much early on. And then we moved to another state. And at that point, I couldn't put him in like preschool or whatever. And But a couple of times, you know, if he wasn't feeling well, I remember I had another relative and she had twin grandchildren, same age. And I remember once I'm like, could you watch him for me? You know, while, and she was like, ooh, you know, if you really need me. And that's when I realized, you know, I guess his energy is a lot for people and they're not watching him. And I was like, you know what, never mind. I, I got it, you know. And so if there was ever an issue, I would just take him to work with me. <laughs> and I just didn't worry about it because I didn't want, I guess his energy wasn't for everyone. My mom was really great with him because. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't, I guess it matched her energy too. So I remember going to check him out one time. It was Valentine's Day. He didn't know I was there. I got to the room and they were playing bingo, Valentine. And he Mm -hmm. was doing all kind of stuff. He was looking around, he was doing all this stuff. And I said, look at him. I said, he don't even, he's not even playing the game. He's all, his chair was like a a ride, you know, Mm -hmm. and then uh, Three seconds later, he said, bingo. And I was like, he doesn't have bingo. He had bingo. He was doing all of that, but he was paying attention. So anyway, that's just how Yeah. What was that like for you to have to kind of hear other people's takes on your child? At first, I didn't really appreciate it. But as he got older and in a real classroom, there were things I started to pick up on things. And, and I really felt feel feel badly looking back because I felt like I was slow on the uptake to searching things. So it really kind of didn't start until to be an issue for me 
to maybe like first grade or so. Originally, he was in a private school kind of thing. And then I put him in the public school. And I remember there would be aftercare. And after not too long, I started getting complaints. You know, and it wouldn't be, it would be, he got in trouble today and, you know, you need to talk to him about being a better listener. And, and I don't remember the specific things they said. I just remember my takeaway was like, okay. Cause it was, I don't know if they didn't give specifics or just gave me like the broad stroke of whatever. And I was accepting it. Mm-hmm. But after a time I was like, well, exactly what is happening? What's going on and where, and it wouldn't be anything to me that warranted the response that I was getting. And I lived in Indiana at the time, so there wasn't a lot of color. On the, There wasn't any color on the staff and not a lot of color in the his classmates. Mm-hmm. And, and a, a nice white lady there told me, because at one point I was like, is it just me? You know, and I was just talking to this lady, she wasn't one of the caregivers. She was someone who worked as like a support person in the aftercare. And she said, hey, she said, let me talk to you. She said, I could get in trouble for sharing this with you, but I wanted to tell you, I have three sons and I have a middle son and your son reminds me of so much of my middle son. She said, they're grown now. And when my middle son was young, like your son, nobody ever had anything good to say about him. None of his teachers or anything. He, she said, and they weren't doing, he was, he was just like your son. She said, your son is doing the same thing that other kids are doing, but mm-hmm. they are singling him out. And I don't know why she said, and if I were you, I would take my child out of this program. And, and I thanked her for sharing that with me because she didn't have to, and she was afraid to share it because she needed the job. Mm -hmm. But she shared it with me because of her experience as a mother. And she also, so she validated what I was feeling like, is it me or are they singling out my child? Mm -hmm. And and also she validated it because she said her son grew up and he's a great person. He has a beautiful family and he's just fine. She said, but that was his experience throughout from kindergarten through 12th grade. That was his experience for whatever reason. And she never figured it out. But she wanted to share that with me. And so it gave me hope and it validated me. And I so appreciated it. And of course, I took my child out of that after school program. And I just made sure that I just picked him up. And unfortunately, you know, and I, I tried to like figure it out. Like, so we move on with the school and there were just other situations. And I just, I never quite figured out why he was marked for that. You know what I mean? But it was, it, it just followed him pretty much throughout until maybe it just followed him all the way through. And I think he had a little bit of social awkwardness where he was always going to be friends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people would, I think they smelled the desperation on him almost, the other kids. And so sometimes they would let him in and then sometimes they wouldn't. And he didn't have enough appreciate the game that was being played because he just sincerely if you wanted to be his friend he wanted to be your friend and that was it you know with we're good friends and he didn't appreciate the mind game and just little things I remember a teacher who he had a really great memory and I think uh, sometimes they don't assign like for each kid they'll assign a number that that's that kid's number Mm -hmm. and 
he remembered his number, but he remembered all of the other kids. And he just had a good memory for different things like that. And I think like there was an older teacher and she was going through the kids and their numbers. And he said, Miss so-and-so, so-and-so's number is not such and such. And like, and he wasn't trying to be smart aleck. He was just trying to be accurate, you know, and so the teacher didn't like that. Or she said something and then the next day she said something different. And he like, no, remember you, you know, he didn't, he was correcting them. And he wasn't trying to necessarily correct them to be smart aleck or, or whatever, but you know, it's just in situations where they could give a kid the benefit of the doubt, they wouldn't. And just to validate that, he didn't share that with me. Another teacher told me, you mm-hmm. know, she said, like, just little things. She said, you got a kid, a kid the kids these age, especially boys, if they're going to throw away something, they're going to get close to the trash can and then they're going to shoot ass. Mm-hmm. For her, it's no big deal. For this lady, she sends them to, she's going to send your kid to the office. You know what I mean? So just things like that were happening. And at first I wasn't asking the right questions. I just was taking the teacher's word. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have done that. I did my child a distance. This is the same year I went to the last day of the year. It's important to always go to visit often to your kid, just pop up, not pop up, pop up unannounced. Yeah. And also to have, make sure you have conversations and don't let any little thing pass. So I, his papers would come home and they would be good grades, you know? And one day they made it seem like he didn't know how to read or couldn't appreciate sounds or whatever. And I thought, wow, that's crazy because at home, that's not an issue at all. So what the conversation was, they wanted to recommend that he did an educational plan or ADHD or whatever. And I thought, I said, well, do any of you hold any kind of psychiatry psychiatric degrees, any degrees in counseling, blah, blah, blah. So clearly you're not qualified to make that assessment. And let's talk about the adjectives that you are assigning to my child. You know, you need to be careful in the ones that you use in relation to him in conversation and that you put down in his permanent record. And I wanted to make sure that they were clear because they had nothing. And so they backed all the way up, you know what I mean? But it was the principal, teacher, and someone else, the lady, the other, the teacher that he corrected or whatever. And I just thought, they thought it was going to be a done deal because I guess they kind of run ran this train on parents in, in the past and parents just accepted it and so it became very clear to me you know that this was the treatment he was receiving and my takeaway was it's just be, it's very important to be to show up for your child to show up unannounced and announced and just observe and see what's going on how your child's being treated by the teachers how your child's being treated by the other students. Um, I came to, um, I went to a, um, and I got this late and this is something that made me feel bad. And then from that point on, I got better. Um, to the end of the year field trip. Go in the classroom and I'm looking towards the front of the classroom where all the seats are for my child. My child's seat was not in with the other kids. He's in the back of the room by the sink. I was livid. You should have told me where my child was sitting. First of all, he should have been sitting in the front of the class. 
because that's what I requested. But if you're going to move him, you certainly should let me know, especially if you're moving him away from the other children. And she had no basis. She she just... So this is the year we ended up moving and I, I took him out of the school early. I, had a, I made them feel like I was about to sue. <laughs> and she was probably like long after we had moved, you know, to Georgia, trying to yeah. find out what you're going to do with that. And it was crazy because when we got to Georgia, the teacher, I was like, I had him like over the summer, I had him with this tutor and everything. She was like, he doesn't have any issues with his cognitive, this cognitive skills, his analysis skills. He's not delayed in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It was just, they were just trying to paint a picture that wasn't accurate. Mm -hmm. You just have to really show up. And even if you're not getting the support you need, you still need to make them aware that when they deal with your child, they need to be very sure and, and very careful in, the, in how they approach him because they don't want to deal with you and they don't know what you're going to do. And that's still empowering for you as a parent and it's empowering for your child. You know, there was an incident where I think he was in the sixth grade and and he talked too much. And so they put him, the girls, but then he liked the girls and he was, he was still talking to the girls. You know what I mean? He was just, you know, he was just trying to get in. And I actually asked the teacher, I said, is it a situation where they let him in sometimes and sometimes they don't? And he said, yes. And I said, it was a male teacher. So I thought it would be a good fit. And I said, he's I see just that kid, that the, the kid that's on the out, you know what I mean? That he's just, that he, unfortunately, he's that kid that got the short straw and he says, yes. And so at some point, the girl said that he says something and he didn't say it. It's just some stupid stuff. And I'm like, why in the world is the teacher bothering me about that? You know, I'm like, why is it, you know? Um, anyway, so my son, he was so upset because he didn't say it, you know what I mean? And the thing that got me is where you would ask, well, where were the teachers, you know? And never would be a teacher who heard anything. It would be like after the fact, the teacher heard stuff from kids and you're believing all of these kids over my kids. And I said, well, where were the adults who saw or overheard or whatever? And they're never around. And he and I said, well, he didn't say, well, I talked to these kids and these kids never lie. I said, all kids lie. And you're not going to take action against my child based on something from another child. You just, you're just not going to do that. Because at one point, they wanted to suspend him. And it was right before their, their milestone testing. So he would miss out on that. I'm like, have you lost your mind? That's not happening. And that's how I knew, especially, that it wasn't true. Because he was so, like, offended and hurt. Right? And I said, you know what? I said... Here's a suggestion. You don't have to do it. I said, but you can go in there tomorrow. We can go in there together. I said, and you can tell the teacher your side because you said he didn't want to hear you out. I said, and I'll support you. And he probably won't change his mind, but he'll know you'll feel better because you got to tell your side. And also he'll know that you have support. And that was so empowering. And so we did that. We started like role-playing things like the power of soul. Because even though he had the older brother, there's such a is an eight year age gap, so they weren't in the same season. You know, we would role play things, and I was like, 
you know, somebody says something to you about what you're wearing or what you're doing, just say so. I like it. And so he used to, you know, just little things that you can do to empower your kid as they, because he's trying really hard to impress and I'm just trying to get him to not get caught up in trying so hard to impress people and make friends that he just gave it all away, you know. Mm-hmm. And so those things um, were very empowering, but I just felt like it was always just, it made me sad that he was in that position it really made me it made me sad that was his experience and to be honest it wasn't really until he got to high school that he really met some friends but what I admired about it was that he's who he is period and he's not going to change himself and so he still fought for that I appreciate the fact that he didn't did not just say well I'm gonna be somebody else he still fought to be who he is, no matter what, you know. Mm-hmm. It hurt my feelings for him. I can imagine. School is such a hard space to navigate. If if your child is anything outside of the, if they do anything other than go in, sit down, be quiet and listen, or conform right. to that specific thing, it's such a hard place because it's like, that is what is expected. And so anything outside of that, and I, I appreciate that you highlighted asking the right questions because they are so valid and important. Teachers are people too. And they are people who bring their stuff, their whatever into the classroom. They're people who are underneath a whole other system that's pushing them to do certain things. And they like, these kids just all need to sit and be quiet so I can do my job. <laughs> it's like, everyone's putting this. And in the middle of it, you got these kids who are just trying to be kids and they're just whatever, whatever the case may be. I've been that kid that got put at the, all the way at the back of the room in the court. They was moving me all over the room trying to, <laughs> trying to get me to shut up because I was so talkative. But anyway, <laughs> and, and it's just, it could be, so, it's so simple, you know, like they're in middle school. And at some point I had a meeting with all of the teachers and one of the other teachers, she was like, let me tell you about your son. I figured him out. She said, he works hard for like two weeks. And then after that, he takes a break for two weeks. And it's pretty much no work he's going to do during that two weeks. And another teacher was like, he does that thing, me too. And she said, let me tell you, it was some kind of science class. And she said they had a unit test, but it was on the two weeks that he was off. And so they move on to another unit and they're about halfway through it and she's still thinking about that unit test where he just put his name on and so she sent him across the hall to take that old unit test unit test that they for a unit that they moved on from he got an A Mm -hmm. he just but she figured out his pattern right and so she worked with his pattern not that she should have had to but at least she took the time to see what he was rocking with And the other teachers were like, yeah, he does that for me too. But you could, and and other teachers are like, I don't even know. I'm not saying you got to always tailor out something. But if something that small will make that big of a difference in a child's life, what harm does it do to work with that child? You know what I mean? Like, and so just, but when he got to, so finally, I think once he got to high school, he kind of had some friends you know, a couple of friends. 
and they accepted him for how he is. And even though there were little things that he did, he would go in and I would say, well, this is what I would do if I were you or what have you want to handle it? Like in friendship situations? Yeah. You figure out how to fix that because he doesn't need you. You need him, you know, and, and so he would fix it. And that's empowering. So helping him navigate. So he would come. Well, it sounds like a lot of times you guys would get to have these. Okay, here's how we, here's how we strategize <laughs> and trying to help him with his social skills and interactions. And what was that like to have that? And then just, okay, son, and send him back out into the world. Better because he has something he could use. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Versus I'm just being me. Or just trying to figure out, like, you know, other, other kids do it. And now, but they are getting on me when I do it, but they let everybody else do it. And that's not fair. And feeling like, well, that's not fair and they're wrong. So I can continue as I am. I'm not going to change. But the thing is, you're not holding the cards. So is it more important for you to make your point? Or is it more important for you to reach your goal? You know, and you make that choice, you know. And because I'm like, I can't, sometimes he would see me in there, I go and I have these meetings and he see me in there with nothing. Okay. I go in there and the teacher would, I call a meeting because of whatever. And I get, I'm like, don't have me going here looking crazy in this meeting. And so, you know, you're not right. And mm-hmm. he had me go in there. I remember I went in there twice and the teacher said, well, this is blah, 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 blah. Is that right? And he would not, he would never look at me because he knew he likes had me coming in there empty handed. And I would be like, mm-hmm. you know, like, <laughs> but it was still worth doing because of course he knew he got, he got himself together. <laughs> you know, he would, whatever was taking him off track, whatever he wasn't turning in, whatever, you know, sometimes he'd have it right there in the back and just hadn't turned it in. How about that? doing the work. But anyway, I just never figured out why he was singled out that way. Because it wasn't literally, you think you got a kid coming in and cursing out the teacher, fighting. And it wasn't that. It was just like talking too much, being playful, just not working, not bothering anybody, but just not working. But for whatever reason, and maybe it's because they knew he was right there and just wasn't going, wasn't doing it. He, he just didn't follow the mold. And I feel like, you know, most teachers say they're there for all the kids and stuff. And my mom taught for 33 years, but I just never heard of, she, it was unheard of for her to put kids out of her class. Mm-hmm. I mean, she found out she was so freaking creative with kids. She had a, a little girl. She wasn't very bright, but all of her little friends were like really, really bright. And so she kept her with all of those kids and praised her the same way because at least when she was in that group, she worked her hardest versus putting her in a lesson group that really she should have been in because then she wouldn't have worked at her optimum level. But in her mind, since she was with in the in the high level group, she was a high level producer and she gave high level work. You know what I mean? And that's just... Sometimes she made the person who got in trouble, maybe they needed a little extra attention. So she made them her personal assistant. Like she gave them a position of honor, even though they didn't, but they lived up to it. And so I just feel like he just didn't get that. So he had to get it from home. And I had to send him in with, with tools. 
you know, and we practice. We literally practice stuff, what he would say, what he could say, you know, mm-hmm. we practice that stuff. And it was helpful. So he had to get a lot at home. So did the those types of behaviors translate to home though? Like the kind of moving at his own pace? Because he sounds like someone who was going to move at his own pace regardless <laughs> or be, like you said earlier, like very energetic. So what was that like for you as a parent at home with him? I, I didn't have any problems. <laughs> How about that? Because well, I had a lot of energy. So for instance, he was great. He worked well with a lot of structure. So mm-hmm. I had a thing where, you know, I would pick him up and then, I like to work out. So I'm picking him up. And if he could get his work done between now and the time we got to the gym where we worked out, they had this great kids club with everything a kid would want to do. If you want to play video games, you want to climb rock walls, you want to bowl, whatever. He loved the kids club. But he couldn't go to the kids club until he had his homework done. So if his homework wasn't done, he had to watch me as I did my step class or whatever and miss out on it. He didn't want to do that. So probably once or twice, he didn't miss the whole thing. He just started and finished up his homework in front of me. But for the most part, he would be getting that work done in the car before we got to the gym because he did not want to miss the kids club. And then, so it was a tight schedule. Pick you up, do your homework in the car. We go to the gym, come home, get a bath, eat some dinner, go to bed. It was a very tight schedule. He loved it. No problem. I tend to always have a lot of stuff. He would like, what are we doing today, mom? What are we, what are we doing today? He liked knowing what the schedule was. And if it was the tighter, the better. He loved that. And so at home, you know, he, it would be chores. He would I, would, I mean, I didn't have to get on him about stuff. I didn't, I didn't have that issue at home. So that was just so baffling to me because he just did it, you know? And I didn't tell you how to do your chores. They just had to be meet my expectation at, on the back end. I don't care how what order you did them in, you know, you you just have to do your chores on Saturday, you know. I just I just didn't have those issues. But it, okay, so it also sounds like you like set up the parameters, but you didn't try to like control every aspect of it. And so he was allowed to have a certain level of freedom within that. Right. Energy doing the chores. They just need everything needs to be clean at the end. And and that was it. And also though, if I like said a consequence, it was just a consequence. You know, Mm -hmm. that was it. I mean, and and I stuck by it. And it wasn't gonna be a conversation about it. And Mm -hmm. so he knew that. So he didn't try that. It was just that. Like if I said no video games during the week. There was just no video games during the week. We didn't come every day and say, can I please, mom? We just didn't do that. Mm. He likes structure. He likes structure and consistency. So he had all that at home. <laughs> so y'all worked fine together. <laughs> and, I, I guess, and I just feel like you got supportive parents who are involved. Like if something goes, you, you know, I'm not the parent that says, not my child. Or mm-hmm. well, you need to work it out there or isn't involved. And I just felt like, on the other end just didn't work that well from the school to the parent and to the child it just wasn't working as well as I thought that it it should or would and that was just his journey and and I just know I said well it's not wasted son you know it's not wasted and I don't know that that would be his takeaway as 
from his perspective, I don't know if he really appreciated it all. What I did do too is I prayed for people who where he would just have favor with somebody in the school that would just make him feel special and supported. And and like in high school, but there was another lady, she was, and it doesn't matter the race, but I'm just giving it anyway. She was Indian. Mm-hmm. And she was like talking her, even her conversation about him, about planning the schedule. And she asked him questions like, what kind of learner are you? Do you like it when X, Y, Z versus Y, Y, Y? Do you prefer this? Because he may not know how to articulate what he what works best for him. And she asked him, I can't remember the specific question she asked him. She's like, okay, I'm gonna pair you with Miss So-and-so because, or Mr. So-and-so because his style is, you know, consistent with your way of learning. And she did that and it made all the difference in his schedule. She said, oh, and did you have, yeah. He said, yeah, I've had so-and-so. How did that work out for you? And just those, it's a small thing. It wasn't huge, but it was huge. You know what I mean? And she did that. So she was his advisor for maybe three years, you know, even the next, she just stuck, she just kept him. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate it because she did such a good job with him. And she just did things like that. And they made all the difference. If you had, you put him with a very structured teacher who's like within the lines and no flexibility. And she just gave him people whose styles were, that would mesh with him. And that just took a couple, and it was no sweat. It was easy. And she did that on the front end. And it made a really big difference. That's awesome. Shout out to those those good school counselors, administrators, and advisors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she and, and at the end, I like when he graduated, I gave certain ones that I felt like were I asked him who did he feel were special to him or whatever. And she was one of them. And she called me. None of the others even responded to thank me, but it's okay. But and she said, you know what? I was just sitting here thinking, why am I doing this? And I got your card and you know, your gift card in your and she said, Thank you so much. And she was almost in tears because she made such a big difference. I'll tell you something else too. At one point, he got in a fight. It was stupid. It wasn't really a fight. It was a like a 10 second scuffle with someone and he ended up having to, they have a, you know, no zero tolerance, whatever. So they, he went to alternative school for a semester and he was devastated. Right. And, and it was kids in there, like they were arresting kids. Like we would go pick him up and kids would be getting arrested. And then he was like, this is not my peer group. You know, this is not, it was crazy. It was a lot of, and he was like, he wasn't there for, but I'm like, you just gonna have to tough it out, son, you know? And I guess during the time he's there, people from the counselors from the school or different ones, teachers, they would be checking in with him. I didn't know that. So when he went back to school, we had a meeting and he, I was sitting to his right. He couldn't see me. And these late, all of these people were telling me about all of their interaction with him and how they hated that he was even over there because that's not the student that they see over there and how he just shines, you know, and like, it's crazy. Oh my God, it's crazy. Like, like that's just, and they were just singing his praises. I cried. I cried the whole time. He didn't even see me. I was just there crying because it was just like, I had never heard in the academic setting so many wonderful things said about my child by people who I didn't even know were interacting with him. And I was like, why couldn't 
this have happened, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't even know about it. You know what I mean? I didn't know he had that kind of support. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I didn't, I went in there like prepared to do battle or whatever, <laughs> you know, like make sure you don't, you know, be messing with my baby more and like give him a chance don't treat him like an outcast. I was going in there with that mm-hmm. mindset of having that conversation. And it wasn't that conversation. It was almost like a whole group of cheerleaders, like eight people came in to see wasn't, and they gave me specific instances. And I was like, he never told me about any of that. Yeah, that's good though. That's a good feeling. Yeah, and so he's made it, boom, all the way to adulthood. And now, now he just gets to be him. <laughs> so that's the thing about parenting, you think, Ooh, don't get them to that finish line. They go graduate, and then you know it's it's kind of like I'm rolling downhill, but it's still not ups and downs. But there's still more parenting that needs to be done. I didn't appreciate that until I got to this part of the journey. But mm-hmm. you know he's doing well and everything. But I'm just saying there's still there's still more parenting needed. I didn't know that, <laughs> and I felt like when I was coming up, I'm like I didn't, I'm not, you know. Yeah. So I'm curious, tell me a little bit about it. Cause you're right. That 18, I think 18 to 24, at least 22, but that 18 to 22 is definitely still like an adolescent almost. (laughs) It's an adolescent mindset. Almost. It's like, it's a cross between an adolescent and an adult mindset, but they want, there's all the testosterone and wanting all the privileges because they, you know, quick to say I'm grown. I'm a man, you know, and I'm like, yeah, technically that's the work to do in other areas. It's, it's a difference between do so-and-so, telling someone to do something versus suggesting, saying, well, I think, you know, because you can't make anybody do anything because they, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a difference. You have to adapt your your verbiage <laughs> and you you because they appreciate like there's this magic age and like I felt like when I turned 18 I didn't necessarily feel like I was a woman but mm-hmm. evidently boys feel like when they're 18 they're a full-grown man mm-hmm. and and even though they may not be able to do full-grown man things like like support themselves or make full-grown men like just their judgment isn't full-grown man they don't appreciate that aspect of it and they're just drunk with the part of I'm this magic number and I'm a grown man kind of thing. And it's like, how are you now? So it's an adjustment. Um, and then, then part of you feels like, you know, you had this great, you know, relationship and then somebody broke up with you and you didn't want to break up. That's how you want to break up. That's it. You broke up with me. <laughs> I mean, the motive. Yeah, because you are in that stage of, well, I've heard parents saying your role changes, right? You're still mom. They still need you, but they're not as close. They don't call for as many things. It's different. Yeah. And you you want to, you just appreciate how much you directed and got it. And now you, you just don't have that same kind of influence. You have influence, but it's not the same because before it's like, well, I can ask you to do it. And if you don't make the right choice and I can just demand that you do it and you're going to do it because I say it's so really other time. And then at this point, it's just like, mm-hmm. that's the choice you want to make, you know, yeah. or, or it's a lot of things that are not your business because they want to have business. 
And it could be something really small, but they don't want to tell you because they got business. Hmm? You know? Got business. (laughs) So, okay. So what has being a parent taught you about yourself as a person just this April? Well, everybody on the outside looking in says that I have a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I never necessarily thought I did. But I feel like as far as parenting goes, children never, they don't ask to be here. And so if, you, if you're going to be their parent, regardless of how you become a parent, you should treat them accordingly. You know what I mean? It is definitely a blessing. And, and I just felt like if, you know, when, because I had a, like a, not a, I had an indirect route to being a parent, I was like, I'm not going to complain no matter what this entails, because you can't pray like, God, oh, please, please, you know, please. And then when you get it, like, well, I didn't, I, I wanted it, but not like this. And I'm like, you can't have it both ways. So I just determined even before he become be, before he came that no matter what, I was going to rock with it and be grateful. And I try to be consistent with that. I have zero regrets and it's definitely the highs outweigh the lows. And I feel honored to be a parent and I feel honored to be his parent. You know, it's taught me just how in my head I thought, you know, when you're not a parent, you think you just, you make this rule, you draw the line and you be consistent and that's it. What you don't appreciate is sometimes you you do that and then everything follows according to plan. And then at some point you got to revisit it all over. Like people have amnesia and, and that part, I didn't, I never thought that, you know, like you got to keep revisiting or sometimes it takes longer for stuff to set in. Sometimes you got to adjust, like you may have in mind, but you just, you really, it, it's taught me that I have to be flexible. And even though I may feel like this, this is the way I want to walk it out, they're in control. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's another whole human being and they get to make choices and they may choose to follow what you say and they may not and you really need to tailor your interaction your comments or whatever to their particular needs and it's taught me taught me that and so sometimes like a lot of I, I will say I'm sorry I was wrong I will say this is what I think but I'm open to suggestion I will say this is these are my thoughts well what do you think well, let's come up with something together, you know, which I would have never thought that I would be doing that. But mm-hmm. I, you know, just that it's more collaborative than anything else. And I didn't appreciate that, but it's taught me that. And some things you have to overlook. I mean, it's just really just like in life, you know, you can't, you got to put your little feelings aside and just some things you got to overlook and see the big picture. Like say if you're talking to, them and they're like all of this big talk you know because it's just bravado or whatever and you're like well when you are ready to have a mature conversation give me a call or come see me and just not even feed into it because you could get into that and that's pointless and immature and all of the things and so just it's just taught me to try to really see big picture and tailor things it's okay to tailor to adjust to revise your plan revise your strategy, you know. I like it. Love it. To be flexible. And like you said, it's a collaborative process. 
It really is. It really is. If I know that's that can be a challenging lesson, especially well, any adult dealing with children, that can be a hard thing because we do have that belief of like, nope, if a grown up says something, you're supposed to do it, and that's just it. But also what I'm hearing you talk about and throughout, you know, everything that you've shared is that y'all's relationship was important and it was maintained and it was solid. So through all this, you know, mom's here. I got your back. I'm your advocate. I'm your, you know, your confidant. And even into early adulthood, maintaining that relationship, like you said, not that means sometimes things slide. That means we can compromise on some things. That means it's not always my word over your word. That's how you keep that as the most important. Wouldn't it be terrible to have a child and raise a child and then child never really wants to visit you <laughs> they won't really hang out with you you think it's gone I'm like I would be devastated I would be so devastated like if I didn't have like a relationship you know I don't that's I don't have friends but I want you to come see about me I want you to love on me and check on me and everything and not just take me for granted you know and that would really hurt my feelings and I think some people just you know rule with an iron fist mm-hmm. and but they don't have a relationship beyond just I'm your parent you know what I mean and no. I mean we do we have fun times a lot of fun a lot of silliness a lot of like would you stop already mom <laughs> play too much kind of things you know we do a thing where we cook together and we play we have a, a, a playlist and like we do song for song like who's playing the better song and who wins. You know, we just have little things that we do that are just fun that I mean a lot. We one at one point we'll watch Carnival Eats and then try to make whatever we saw. Some <laughs> just stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. But just things that are ours that we do. Just things that are ours that we do. I love that. I love that. I think it's so special. Even when I work with parents now, I often am highlighting that. No, the relationship. I get, I know you want the dishes done. I hear you. But is it worth all this fussing? <laughs> it's going to cause all this tension and strife later. It's not. It's not. Because, uh-huh. um, yeah, you want them to come visit <laughs> later on when they don't depend on you or they don't have to be around you. Will they want to be with you? Yeah. And so having those types of things is super important. Thank you so much, April, for coming on and sharing about your journey and your beautiful relationship with your son. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. I truly hope that you enjoyed this episode. If something in it resonated with you, please share this with a friend and a loved one. You can also leave a rating and a review so other people can find us. Check me out at my website, parentsrpeople.net. You can also find me on Instagram at parents, the letter R, people. And you can come on there to look at some pictures and discuss the episode and find some good quotes and snippets there. Thanks for listening.